Today on ABC Devo, Blockhead. Hey everybody, welcome to ABC Devo, the podcast where we examine every Devo song from Fourth Dimension to Wiggly World. And today, I'm Joe Mazel. <laughs> I'm Tom Taylor. I'm John Ingle. And, and today I'm Pete Three Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot I was here. And today we're going to be talking about Blockhead from 1970. Well, I'm going to say nine. Say nine. Uh, yeah, 79. Duty now for the future. <laughs> oh, this is our first our first duty now. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I mean, it shouldn't be surprising because you really should have gone to a doctor at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's our what is it, meconium or something like that? What's the? Uh, uh, is it, I learned that word from Spinal Tap. Meconium is the <laughs> earliest is the, the earliest stool of a mammalian infant, so it's like a, like a baby's first poop is called meconium. So. Oh, right. oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, it really anyway. makes me sad. I don't have kids. <laughs> um, yeah, duty now for the future. <laughs> this, uh, as we were kind of planning this uh, this project um, in the in the the digital green room, the virtual green room, mm-hmm. uh, we were all sharing some some love for this album. It's it's a weird like it didn't have its breakout hit the way that kind of you know satisfaction or jackahomo for the first album and and certainly whip it for uh for freedom of choice so it, it kind of falls into the falls into a crack sometimes but it's a it's a really strong solid album oh yeah yeah it was uh, a i guess it was a frustrating album uh as far as it's you know the way people responded to it now the sales didn't quite go where they thought they were going to i guess warner brothers wasn't very happy with it yeah. but I think it's my favorite Devo album, actually. I, I would second that, John. Yeah. It is also my favorite Devo album. Might be mine. And it hasn't always been. I I, I used to be much more a new traditionalist uh, kind of guy. But l- just lately, in the last year or so, this this album's really, really, really grown on me to the point where I'm like, no, I, you know what? For what I'm looking for with Devo, this has got it all. Mm-hmm. And and some of their songs, even I will I will say that my favorite Devo song is on this album. That that's a slight spoiler, but I'm not going to uh, reveal which one it is. But yeah, I think that this is their best album probably at this point in my life. I'm going to say that. Huh. Well, it's got that good. Um, I, I've kind of brainstormed a theory over time that um i should probably put pen to paper and make it uh, make it a thing maybe i can coin a phrase for it and become internet famous but there you go um there's there's this kind of like uh it's the the not the opposite of a sophomore slump but it's a kind of nervous energy album i call it (laughs) a band either 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 it's their second album usually because they came out with a first album and and it was well received so now they have pressure to do do a follow-up or it's the album after their like their big hit breakthrough album and usually it's like you know it's this weird kind of version of stage fright of like oh everybody liked that what do i do now um and this has a little bit of that that it because those albums are usually interesting and they're really like often they're they're really good kind of examples of what makes that band good Mm -hmm. um like one of one of the big uh 
big popular one is for the for the kids these days. They all like the uh, Pinkerton, the Weezer album, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a, a good example of that. They kind of freaked out, didn't know what to do, and he just kind of went back to his kind of songwriting heart in a sense and and produced something you know weirdly intimate and uh and i feel like this this is a great example of that too because it's like uh you know they did they were trying to follow it up and they do they they venture a little more towards you know there's a little more polish now from from the kind of you know as we were talking about the hardcore stuff is really rough and and jagged and then you know army and that men is a little more refined and then this is like a touch more refined but it's still very much in that you know uh exciting phase mm-hmm. and uh and then by the time you know freedom of choice is very takes a big step kind of into the pop dimension mm-hmm. i feel like yeah but uh, what, and, and certainly into the digital world yeah, and well, and and more. Yeah, there's a lot of polish, a lot more polish on it, and and you know, I love that album too. But this is, this is like that missing link between that hardcore stuff and the pop stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost yeah. wonder. Like, I, I think of, I sometimes think of uh, Duty Now and uh, Are We Not Men almost as like a double album or something. Or I wonder if they would work as a double album if they had just come out at the same time or something. No, I, <laughs> I would totally see that. Um, yeah. And there are, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Smart Patrol is like a holdover from the, uh, whatchamacallit days, right? The hardcore days. Right. Like, yeah, I right. mean, That's, that was, mm-hmm. I mean, there were a couple of things that just didn't make it onto Are We Not Men. Yeah. Right. Well, that's that's another good, uh, another uh, log to add to the fire for uh, um, Nervous Energy albums is that they often will go back then to the, the stuff that they've been playing live um you know that they had down you know their their own material that they know really well and then you know the stuff that didn't make the first album but now they have you know usually better technology or better you know kind of production value to add to it and so they go get these kind of songs that they're intimate with but give it a new spin yeah i don't not to contradict your theory at all pete but i kind of think of it more as a confidence boost has just occurred not as much of a nervous mm-hmm. energy but uh when your band starts to like build what they want to do uh with themselves musically i think sometimes on a first album they might either get hemmed in or controlled a little bit by maybe a producer or or label or their own lack of confidence and that's not to say that that happened with devo i you know are we not men is it's an amazing album. I'm not saying that, but I'm thinking that, you know, you have a big hit successful album and you might go forward and say, let's just do what we want now. Like we can do whatever we want. And you go kind of bust out with all the things that you've always wanted to do. And that's what I get from this album. Like, cause you, you're right. Like I get, I get a lot more of a sense of the hardcore era f- on this album than I do from, are we not men? So it almost feels like, Oh, all that stuff we always wanted to do. We can do that now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of what I get. But you know, I don't know if that's really that different from what you're saying, Pete, it might be the same thing. And the, the nervous energy might be part of that because you have to be going forward. Um, even if you have an injection of confidence, you also have to be a little bit squeamish about whether you can do it again or whether, mm-hmm doing all those things that you always wanted to do is the thing that actually will hit, you know, a second time. And apparently it wasn't, you know, in this particular case. So, but that doesn't mean that it's of any less value. It just didn't hit uh, the mainstream as, as hard as are we not men did. I'm thinking too, as we think about these, that I I think that my uh, experience of this record and most of the songs on it are really closely tied to, the men who make the music, the video. Oh God, I love that video. I mean, I, I, 
I can't find it anywhere anymore, and I don't have my copy anymore. My copy was on, you know, VHS anyway. But, uh, yeah, that's like just an that's artifact of, of ours. Just staggering. Exactly, yeah, that's what, that's what it was. It was a Except VHS. for some people who had it on beta, but, you know. Right. They were cooler than we are, and, and there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's like maybe the most Devo artifact that I know of is that video. And it's, and you know, it's just, for anyone who doesn't know, it's a collection of their actual, you know, produced videos from, yeah, I guess like, you know, Are We Not Men and, and uh, Duty Now for the Future. And, uh, but also live stuff and just weird little like story stuff going on in there and things. And it's just, it's, it's like, that was almost, that was like a huge part of my introduction to Devo was, was like watching that with friends and stuff. And, and you, can, uh, you know, you can buy it on DVD for 10 bucks. Can you really? Yeah. On Amazon. I'm going to do that. I'm going to excuse me for a minute. I'll be right back. I'm going to go over Amazon and get myself a copy because I love that thing. And yeah, and so I, that's, that might be part of why I think of uh, "Are We Not Men" and "Duty Now" is like almost like a, you know, a single thing. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's like the, those two together and that video collection are like you know the that's like the core Devo for me. Yeah, I mean, I might you know. They are they are very intertwined. The, the, mm-hmm. Like if you asked me, you know, last week in a pinch, if you were just like, "Hey, uh, you know, which album is Blockhead on?" I might have, I might have said it was on "Are We Not Men." Like I, <laughs> right. I, I, I just yeah. did that with "Come Back, Johnny" in my head. I'm like, yeah. wait, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I think it's not a huge you know gap, not a huge transition between you know yeah. the style or anything between the two. But I think I don't know. I I I think we all agree that we like where this album sits, uh, mm-hmm. tonally and 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 structurally and and everything. Yeah, it's a fantastic album, no question. Yeah. Uh, this song in particular, uh, written by uh, Bob and Mark Mother's Ball, mm-hmm. together, um, uh, sung mainly by Mark, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, with Jerry and Bob uh, singing backup vocals, um, which I think is pretty clear like we were talking about like sometimes it's a really obvious mm-hmm. choice and this has that especially early mark has that you know much more distinct kind of uh you know a little more nasal and and kind of you know uh weird nerdy sounding maybe yeah i don't know um and i i like this anecdote that i that popped up uh that bob one wrote it uh and was inspired to call it Blockhead after seeing a TV commercial for a sinus decongestant, <laughs> you know, which sounds fantastic. I, again, I love that. You know, we we talked about that for a bit, uh, probably on the weekend show about uh, you know that uh, just finding source material from some from anywhere. Yeah, and, and instead of just you know necessarily writing you know the same love song over and over again, but just being like, oh yeah. Yeah, that that Afrin commercial that really moved me. <laughs> One of my favorite facts in the musical world is that uh, Devo gave Neil Young the title uh, or the phrase "Russ never sleeps" because oh, yeah. it was some it was some product in Akron, you know, Russ never, and, 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 you know, some anti-rust agent, and <laughs> Russ never sleeps, and then uh, Neil Young ran with that. And they knew Neil Young from that movie, right? I, uh, Human Highway. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Human yeah. Highway. So, yeah. well, yeah, he uh, was um, yeah. he was really into them for a while. Yeah. No, yeah. they're ridiculous, like pop culture sponges, mm-hmm. and 
thank heaven for it. Like, there's nothing that irritates me more than people who just tell me they would never watch TV. Um, <laughs> right. And, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, like, you know, TV is a haven for nothing but quality. There's plenty of garbage, and there always has been. Um, but, like... I love that, D- like Devo just absorbed and absorbed and absorbed, and and you know, and then regurgitated in delightful ways. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, there's this like praying hands. Mm-hmm. Right. No, it's not praying hands. Uh, too much paranoia is what I was thinking. Well, but uh, still, oh, sure, argument maintains. You know? I would like to know what the specific commercial was. I, I wish there was some way. I, I don't guess there is probably, but because. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I listen, uh, uh, this might surprise you guys. When I listen to the song and listen to the lyrics, I don't think anything about nasal spray at all. Uh, I have a totally different picture in my mind. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of wondering, you know, I mean, what was this guy? There, there had to be this guy, right, in the commercial. I kind of wish I could see him. And I'm wondering if maybe we are kind of seeing him in the mm-hmm. in the song right. because it sounds. I can really picture this guy, like mm-hmm. that the, the, the song is about. You know. And uh, I don't know. It would be interesting if you could somehow figure out exactly what commercial that was. Find it on YouTube, and the picture that you have of the song just comes to life. Would be yeah. kind of amazing. <laughs> I uh, I have to admit that there's a a small, maybe not small. There's a, there's a percentage of my brain when I'm picturing this, uh, the character in the song, the titular blockhead, that is picturing um, one of the blockheads from Gumby. <laughs> You are not alone. Yeah, <laughs> I can't separate yeah. the two. So uh, you know, um, yeah. And apparently, originally though, this uh, the original demo, which is not what we're listening to. I, I don't think we have access to that anywhere. But uh, uh, Bob Bob One says it was uh, just him on a guitar and Mark hitting a fence post with a chain. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Which do again, we, uh, there's, there's that rough, rough stuff. <laughs> do you get a strong sense? Like the, the song reminds me a lot of Mongoloid, you know, that, that, right. that they're, they're singling out a, a person or a kind of person and just sort of describing them. They're like, they're, like, I can't, I can't get from this song. If they, I would, I would guess that they would not like the blockhead that they would like, you know, be making fun of the blockhead, like this guy, this straight, boring, you know, pays his taxes on time, dude. Mm-hmm. Right. But it doesn't sound like I don't get any negativity from from the lyrics or anything. Well, it I seems like a very just straight, just kind of you know, description of this blockhead guy. Yeah, I think the uh, I'm with you until the line "snake eyes," and that's mm-hmm. when I see villainy behind it. That's where okay. I when I hear that part, I'm like, oh, this guy appears to be your straight laced your ultimate square right mm-hmm. and again we're because it's diva we're getting this kind of mid-century idea of it because I, i'm picturing this kind of blonde flat top wearing guy yeah, who's yeah. a little bit muscly and he's wearing a, a iron shirt and you know everything is the way it's supposed to be mm-hmm. and then Look into his eyes, and it's something. There's something villainous behind that. So that's what I get out of this, like mm. completely. So I don't know. It's a very, very keeping in. It very much keeps in Devo's philosophy of <laughs> how they see the straight world. Oh, and, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then I mean the the term blockhead kind of comes with connotations of you know it it's not used positively. Oh sure. For this, yes. Yeah. You know, and then <laughs> right. to to juxtapose that with. 
you know, all this stuff. Like, hey, yeah, he's a blockhead. He, you know, always pays on time, always fits the bill. You know, he's well prepared. Mm-hmm. Which, all which sounds like positive stuff. Right. And juxtaposing that with like, no, it's because he's square and he's a blockhead and he's right. You know, it's a. Uh, maybe it's the uh, maybe it's the music around the lyrics. There's, there's there's just I agree about the snake eyes. That's a good point. That it's like you know beneath all this. I don't trust this guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> something of this straightness is making him a kind of creepy, evil dude that you can't quite uh, trust. But beyond that, like, I don't know. There's something, I don't know. I don't know if pleasant is the right word, but it's like blockhead. I'm just I'm going to tell you about blockhead, about this guy who's a blockhead. Yes, he's boring. He pays on time. You know, he never tips over. <laughs> you know, but there's just something. Uh, Which is an important quality. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah. You don't want to tip over too much. But, like, this could be his neighbor, and he's like, I'm going to tell you about my neighbor. He's a blockhead. It's all right. He's a blockhead. It's like calling somebody a nerd. He's like, he's a nerd. That's <laughs> a good guy. He's a nerd. Yeah, uh, but, of course, uh, nerd was only positive about, what, eight years ago. That's true, yes. Um, but there, there is a sort of, like, weird... You know, and again, Mongoloid is the uh, is the apt kind of, like, sister song to this, or vice yeah. versa. But there is that weird, like... What are the, I mean, I don't know. They've always had this like weird relationship with like automatons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty much what they're describing, you know, mm-hmm. but they also have, but there's also the lyric, you know, thinking man full grown. And it's just sort of, but like, there's no actual uh, evidence that there's any real thought behind him. Yeah. Yeah. He just does what he's told. It's a really. Yeah, there's like a sinister. There's something both pleasant and sinister to the tune. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that uh, boring unthinkingness could lead to something unsavory. Yeah. You know, I gotta say, until right this very moment, I always thought that somewhere in here was uh, one of the lyrics was "He is a Clark Kent," <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome. The kind of theme, you know. He's you know this yeah, mild totally. mannered, like you know. And, and you know, they're like, he is a Clark Kent. Like, I thought that was in there. I don't know which one of these <laughs> things it was. Uh, yeah. Maybe, you know, he comes well prepared. But even that, no. That's... I think it, he's a blockhead, the way they he said. Is like, a he is a blockhead. blockhead. Thinking man oh, yeah. full grown. Yeah. He is a blockhead. Okay. He yeah, is yeah. a Clark Kent. I always thought he was a Clark Kent. Clark Kent would have been a better replacement than having yeah. the chorus just randomly, <laughs> the title randomly thrown in there. Right. All right. So that, that I just learned something, guys. Well, does the Joe does the automaton thing come from the spare parts or the I'm sorry stock parts line? Because that one's confusing to me, and I don't know if is it is it because a guy like this is also going to be a gearhead or be a guy who talks a lot about his car or you know I I, I was trying to figure out exactly what that part was, but if he were an automaton, maybe he is just like a the straight off the factory line kind of guy with the stock parts. I don't know. But, to me, yeah. it sounds like he's more like he's an IBM man. Like he's got the same tie as everybody. He's got the same shirt as everybody. He's got the same shoes. It's like he's just like a kind of cookie cutter. Has a slide guy. ruler. Yeah, uh, yeah. Short, yeah. Short sleeve dress shirt with a tie. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, now I'm starting to like this guy more though. <laughs> See? Yeah, but then he's, he's got those. Have... He's got those snake eyes, guys. Oh, you yeah, can't get around does. that. Like there's something not the wrong. Good ones, like on you know, as I'm <laughs> describing him, it is sad that the song "Blockhead" is not played in the film "Falling Down." Oh yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> You're right. That's very much what yeah. I'm picturing. You know? yeah. yeah. Maybe so a little perfect. bit bigger guy than Michael Douglas, but yeah. You know. Stands up on his own. Yep. Sure. <laughs> on top of that, Michael car. Douglas does stand up on his own. 
Yeah, really. On top, on you can just see the poster for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. So musically, I was going to say this this song has a very strange time signature, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it takes. I, I'm really sensitive to that. Usually, always. I'm always. I'm sensitive to that kind of a thing. It takes like I. I'm. I'm. Uh, you know, rhythm uh, is important to me. You know, and and uh, that kind of having that beat, like having that time signature, be. Uh, kind of something I can latch on to is important. So it takes a lot to make a song with an odd or interesting time signature that that and not lose me. Hmm. But hmm. they do it well here. Is your hell like listening to Dave Brubeck? Like no, because that is done well. <laughs> I can find the loop. It's there, you know, for yeah. the most part. Like, it's like, more oh. so. Yeah, it's easier to attach to than this is. Uh, this is an apparently eleven eight time in the verse. Yeah. That's bizarre. And I even the source that I found for that said that it's something I believe it said it's something like an eleven eight time. Like even they didn't sound <laughs> confident in it. because uh, I've never even heard of such a thing. Yeah. But then the chorus drops right into the traditional four four. So uh it's got yeah, it's got like a very kind of discomforting quality to it while then dropping right into something really traditionally rhythmic. So I, to me, that makes the song really rich. I I, I love crazy time signatures um, if they're executed correctly. So I don't know. It works for me on this one. Yeah. No. I I again. It, I'm usually shy of them, but uh, um, there's a couple of examples in this. Actually, have you ever, you know the uh, the Primus song Eleven? That's another no. one where they, where they do it. Um, it's in like eleven. 11 4 or something i don't know what is that on the brown album uh, i'm trying to remember that seeds of cheese because i don't oh, have, wow. i don't go too deep with primus i i liked you know i i really appreciate the fact that at one point america was all in on primus that they were like, <laughs> like a top 40 band and i was like all right you guys know what you're doing i mean that's I, it's cool they're just too weird for you right but um yeah, they, they there's a song there called Eleven, which goes like ha, has an eleven, basically you know, like a, you know an eleven beat measure of of, of sorts or something, and it's hmm. like a, it's interesting. Wow, I only have I, vague uh, memories of Primus. I haven't listened to them in a very long time. You know, it's funny that you bring up Primus, Pete, because something that I feel goes very underappreciated with Devo. Um, you know, there's a school of bands, and you know, uh, it was mentioned earlier in the week with uh, Grateful Dead, or maybe it was last week. Um, there's a school of bands that basically gets a lot of credit for knowing how to play instruments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you'll get a lot of like, like where your primary defense of a band is like, well, you know, technically they're very good musicians. Yeah, um, and I've always hated this argument for a variety of reasons, which I'm sure I will get th- I will get into at a later date. But Devo doesn't e- like people like Devo is every bit as technically proficient as, as well. Say every bit as technically proficient. Devo is a very technically proficient band that are doing very interesting things with music mm-hmm. and. I would you know, very very rarely do they get credit for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like on a sort of a level of musicianship, nobody really, 
nobody really cares. Like they'll talk about being innovative in terms of uh, using synthesizers. Uh, they'll talk about you know they'll talk about how hard they rock, and they do rock hard. And they'll talk about you know the kind of presentation aspect, but they're they're not schlocky. You know, they are not a sloppy band. They are very, very good and very, very talented and all too often get ignored for that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there, I I've said it and I feel better for saying it. <laughs> it's something I think about too, Joe, because when you read about Devo and their history, you kind of wonder how they became so proficient with their instruments. Because everything you read is, you know, for years they were much more interested in other things and the production and the um, presentation and the filmmaking and all the things that they were doing in the early days. And I, and then I'll watch live performances and I'll be like, how did these guys get to the point where they were a, this good and b this confident on stage, which to me is just like, I, I could play a little bit of music, but I'm terrified of making mistakes. <laughs> and so on. so I look at them and I go, well, if they didn't care all that much, how'd they get so good? You know, but you're right. Yeah. Don't, nobody talks about that. Yeah, like even in the you know like '70s, like hardcore era, more or less, uh, or or even maybe just a little bit after that. Like, like to see some of the stuff, you know, like uh, like Bob One doing just these guitar kind of out there, you know, kind of experimental almost, you know, solos, yeah. but totally within the scope of the song, and 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 to be like like rock star basically you know yeah and, and meanwhile he's just you know a 20 something kid from i guess that's what you need to be a rock star is you need to not <laughs> not have that uh, not have the big picture if i can back it up a step <laughs> like all you're thinking oh, you're about is rocking out yeah um but yeah no this 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 uh nails the uh the time signature the weird time signature in a way that that you know kind of adds to the uh, and, you know, c- creates again juxtaposition between. So, like, the, they're talking about this guy who's total, you know, like square by the numbers, but then the the song itself is not that at all. I'm I'm trying to picture like uh, I'm kind of trying to kind of like uh, separate the parts in my head, like the the synths mm-hmm. and the guitars and stuff like that. Like the main kind of riff is basically it's like a synth thing going on but there is like strong it's that devo thing there's a good balance there's good strong <laughs> guitar parts in there too yeah well that's what i was going to say pete i think that what anchors what might be anchoring this crazy time signature for you is the guitar and how it right. comes in with that dun, 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 like after the measure right so it's like dun, 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 dun. i think that's what really appeals to me about it like and it anchors it it makes you it gives you something to attach to so i I think the guitar work is actually what might make this song more than the synth even though the synth might be more up front on the track but um it is you're right it's that's what i was talking about with duty now as an album is it has all those things like so well balanced that i like so much about devo i like when they're not too far one way or the other as far as guitar heavy or synth heavy so that i think this is a great this song is a great example of that as far as how this album plays um as a balanced piece of work yeah yeah balance is a good uh, good mm-hmm. word for it indeed so it seems like we all like this song <laughs> i think uh, we do before Where we talk it? about how much we like it, though, oh. I do have a synth report. <clears throat> All right, oh, cool. synth report. Now, this one I'm going to pre. I'm going to uh, have a little intro to this because I, I, I'm going to admit, you know, I, I imagine some of our listeners by now are probably like, "Why is this guy 
keep talking about synthesizers. He clearly doesn't know very much about them, and that's true. <laughs> You're right. And I want you to understand that that this is coming from I love them. I love them sonically so much that I'm very curious about them. I've never had a reason to study them, so now I'm taking this opportunity while we are doing this show about Devo to learn more about them. But I have decided to start going out to people I know know more about this than me and sort of start doing these reports by committee where I'll be the I'll be sort of the anchor on this news broadcast and I'll have reporters in the field reporting back <laughs> to me with this information. So I've started to uh, compile these people uh, that have this information and on this particular song I had a really hard time figuring out exactly what is the driving like primary synth on this track on because it doesn't really have that mini moog sound uh mini moog sound that uh you get on so many other things and especially with the early devo uh albums so i went out i actually took a picture i was looking at some uh, live performances and guessing okay probably he's probably using the same synthesizer that he used on the recording live. So, well, all these recordings are very rough. Some of them, like there's a video recording where he has this giant bank of synthesizers, Mark Mothersbaugh does, and it's mm -hmm. impossible to distinguish them. And then I found some other ones where they're much more cl like clear and close shots of him. But he seemed to, I don't know if there's a practical reason or because he's trying to be discreet, he's taping the back of the synthesizer so you can't actually see what it is but there are some letters that jut out from underneath this tape so i took a you know screen cap of that i sent it out to my friends on facebook i tagged a bunch of music people that i knew producers synth geeks all these people and um was able to get the information back that this is probably at least the live shows he's using an uh eml 500 synthesizer which um Turns out is a very prominent synthesizer on this on this recording on this album in general. So I'm thinking that's what this is. So I just want to put that out there again, like I have before. Let's put it out to the crowd, and if anybody out there has the exact answer for what this is on this particular recording, if it's not the EML 500, please let us know. But thus far, that's from my from my team of reporters. That's the information I got. So it seems that that's probably true. Wow. I like, to, I like to think that it's a, um, like, you know, maybe they had a, like an endorsement deal with Roland or something like that. And so they couldn't be displaying the brands mm -hmm. of other. Like, well, that didn't happen until Total Devo. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. that and we saw how well that served them. Yeah. Right. But I, I get the idea, see, by the how difficult all of this is, like this looking for the specific synthesizers on every track. I wonder if Mothersbaugh, while he's very open about his collection of synthesizers, if for some reason, in the past at least, he wasn't really that open about what he was using on each particular track. If he wanted to keep the sound, um, the sound he was getting on the recordings a secret somewhat. Sort of like the old jazz guys, you know, way back in the early jazz days, the guys would uh, actually like put a blanket over their horn while they were playing on stage and so on. Like I'm talking about very early because they didn't want anybody to even see what their fingering was on their horns, you know? So it could be possibly like that. I don't know if that's the case, but it has proven to be very difficult to find this specific information. Hmm. Well, you're doing excellent work with it so far. Right. That's right. So we'll, uh, hopefully this will it'll, it'll <laughs> snowball. And uh, uh, the more people we get in on it, the better info we'll get. Um, but 
how do we feel about this song? Regardless of which, uh, or without knowing which synth is used. <laughs> I, I, I like it either way. I like the synth. I like I, uh, the EML. What'd you say? EML? 500. So it's like the fifth, I guess, the fifth generation of EML synthesizers that were... Um, apparently, EML was intent upon making something a little bit more portable, usable, and a little bit more simple than the than the Moog. So that was kind of their driving point, and, and what then became appealing to Mother's Baugh was right. that you're able to use it in some. It's a little bit more versatile, maybe, and maybe a little bit more portable. I don't know, but something like that. But yeah, EML five hundred. Nice. So, what? Uh... Is this going to be another uh, song for the for the mixtape? Do we like this song that much, or are we just is it residual? Do we like the album so much, and then the song pops up there? Are we talking about the album, or are we talking about the song? Here we're talking about the song. Well, you know, I'll tell you, Pete, and I mean this from the bottom. I gotta go with a B plus, and I do love this song, and I'll tell you why it's a B plus because there are so many songs in this album that I just love a little bit more. Mm. 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 Yeah, that make, I, I, I'm giving it a, a, a B, B for blockhead. Does it make me a blockhead <laughs> that I give it a B and it's blockhead and it's all just, it lines up perfectly. And, and squared off, 90 I'm squared angles. Off. Um, yeah, I think f- sort of for the same reason. I, I like the song a lot, but even on this one album, there's so many other songs that are, uh, that I, uh, that I love deeply more that uh, I have to kind of uh, balance it out that way, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm in that zone too. I I, I think I'll probably say a B plus. I do like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it might not be again because it you know, like I said, if you asked me last week what uh, if this was on the first album or this one, I might have been a little confused. So it's obviously not not my absolute favorite, but I do like it a lot. And I uh, um, I don't know. Yeah, not enough maybe to to push it over the edge, but I, a B plus, mm-hmm. a, a strong B plus. It's like an we got like an eighty nine or something here, but. Well, I'm giving it an A. It's a Whoa. full-on A for me. I love right. this song. Damned I think iconoclast. <laughs> I think the, I think this song, in a lot of ways, encapsulates like what Devo is to me. So, and I don't want to be too hyperbolous with that. I just mean that lyrically. You try to be hyperbolic, though. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. I mean, think about how many different takes we had on the lyrics and how they all made sense, but they all had a lot of meaning to them. And then think about how complex this song is from a musical standpoint and how catchy it is from a pop song standpoint. Like, to me, it has all those things that I love about Devo. And, you know, this also is going to probably, you guys were kind of comparing it to other songs of the album. This is going to tell you how much I love this album. I mean, there's going to be songs that are going to be ranked higher than this song on this mm-hmm. album. So uh, that's just a little, I guess, uh, precursor to how I feel about some other songs on this album. But to me, this mm-hmm. is a full-on A. I, it's a brilliant song. It is. I, I don't disagree. It is a good song. I, I, I don't know. For some reason, there's something, I mean, it, you know, it, it's it's minor. You know, it's it's pecking. But uh, no, it just doesn't. It just doesn't fall into that A category for me. Hmm. Um, but that's good. We all do like the song, though. We all we do. Uh, uh, here's the uh, here's the feed it to the computer. Eniac uh, gave me a punch card and uh, <laughs> said uh, that uh, the next song after this in the playlist, based on this, is "Don't Worry About the Government" by Talking Heads. Hmm. Huh. That makes sense. 
I thought it was uh, going to be Linus and Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) It's Geraldi. Yeah. Peanuts music. Exactly. Um, Yeah, so that's uh, Talking Heads haven't come up yet, I don't think, in conversation, but they're very much, you know, they often get uh, referenced in the same breath. They're almost kind of the, uh, I don't know. The Pepsi to the Coke, or, or vice versa, <laughs> with the, with Devo. That's you know people like like them similarly, but for different reasons, and different people like either one, or maybe more like the Beatles and the Stones, or something like that. Of like, mm. uh, you know, art school nerd rock from the from the New Wave era. Mm-hmm. I will um, say that b- both bands would be in my top five bands of all time. So mm-hmm. either I don't know if I ever really compare them that much, but. I love them both dearly. So, um, and so, do you feel okay with that? Uh, don't worry about the government feel, being the next track after Blackhead. Yeah, I mean, it works for me. I mean, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if musically they line up, but if the two bands in the era and the yeah, I, I just I don't know if I understand this particular computer you're using now. <laughs> I don't know if its algorithm is. Uh, <laughs> Uh, apparent to me, but works for it's me. It's learning as, as we go. It's like, it's yeah. like the board. Eventually, it's going to defeat me. Oh. Um. All right. Well, that's. Uh, I think that. Anybody else have anything to say about Blockhead? I it's a great tune, him. but that's about all I got. Right. I really thought. I really thought it was mixtape worthy, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. I respect your choices. You make your own tape. We're not stopping you. No, this has to be an agreed upon tape. <laughs> I know. Well, though, after the fact, I mean, we'll do some data research and we'll each have an individual mixtape, I suppose, and then we'll have. Oh, okay. that's good. The, I the like group that mixtape. The common uh, community mixtape. Sort of like those Melvin album, Melvin's albums, where they each had their own album with their <laughs> face on the front of it. Right. Um. So yeah, that's uh, that's Blockhead. Um. If you want to hear us uh, talk some more, we got some more uh, early Devo stuff, I think, uh, coming up this weekend on our Weekend Mutation. That's the special show only for Patreon supporters. So if you uh, head over to patreon.com slash abcdevo, um, and for a small uh, contribution on a monthly basis, you can get uh, weekly access to our other shows where we talk about all the non-album tracks and live stuff and bonuses and b-sides and what have you um and otherwise if you uh if you're just sticking with the album tracks uh you don't want to get that deep yet then uh you can meet us back here on tuesday we'll, we'll go uh we're gonna we're gonna dive back into total devo we're gonna be here for blow up we're gonna blow up your tuesday <laughs> um, and uh then, yeah Follow us on Twitter, etc. And uh, we'll see you back here next week. See you then. Sayonara. Stare straight ahead, everybody. (laughs) 